Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Making Sense of Islam podcast. A few housekeeping points before we begin. Number one, every episode is accompanied by episode notes that highlight everything I've referenced. So people I've mentioned, verses from the Quran, Hadith, etc. They're all in the episode notes, which you can find at makingsenseofislam.com. Now, most of the episodes are short form, so the notes are few. But once we get into the longer form episodes, which I plan on uploading soon, these notes are going to be a very uh, useful resource and an aid. So be sure to check that out. Number two, I would really, really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on whatever platform you use and leave a comment, hopefully positive. And number three, every Friday, I send out a short email that shares what I'm working on or reading in my four focus areas. If you'd like to receive these, please sign up by going to coexistresearch.com forward slash Friday. That's it for now. Enjoy the show. One of the things that's important in Islam, or supposed to be important in Islam, is what we call makarim al-akhlaq, good manners, good behavior. And if you were to look at religions, if you study world religions, even though when you get inside the details, they're more or less the same, which is part of our belief. But every religion and every community, they have some kind of theme, you know, a theme that wraps up, a dominant theme. So you talk about Christian charity, for example. But charity is not all of Christianity. There's other aspects, but they talk about Christian charity. You know, they talk about the law and Judaism. You know, things like that. One of the main themes of the, our faith is makarim al-akhlaq is good manners and good behaviors. Why is that the case? The Prophet ﷺ, he says, I was only sent. I was only sent. This is the only reason I was sent. The only reason I have this prophetic mission is to perfect and refine human character. So when we come and we look, and you've heard me say this before, when you come and you look at the Qur'an, the 6,236 verses of the Qur'an, only 300 of those verses deal with the Sharia, deal with halal and haram. And the rest, I mean, basically the entire Qur'an talks about akhlaq, talks about manners, as it relates to our system of belief. Why does Allah give us all these stories? So we learn. We learn these archetypical people and personalities and situations so that when we look at our own life and we confront these situations, we see how it is that we can deal with them. When you look at the hadith, the entirety of the hadith that we have about the Prophet is 60,000 hadith. Only 2,000 of those hadith deal with the sharia, deal with halal and haram. That means that less than 5% of the Qur'an and the sunnah deal with halal and haram. And over 95% deal with this subject, makarim al-akhlaq. Which is why in Arabic we have this statement, this famous saying, that religion is interactions. It's not a hadith, but it's a statement that summarizes this theme. That our faith is nothing but a way of dealing with one another. A way of dealing with ourselves. A way of dealing with Allah. A, day, a way of dealing with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi Makarim al-akhlaq. And this subject, this concept of manners, and etiquette, and the way we deal, and the way we act, is related to our worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala says, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسِ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ 
I have not created you, mankind, jinn kind, except, again, except like the Prophet in Nama, the same sort of linguistic structure. I have not created you except to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the season when we prepare ourselves for worship. Now that we left Rajab and we are in Shaban, and we have just under, slightly under a month until Ramadan, we remind ourselves that essentially this is why we were created. One of the reasons why we were created. The Qur'an gives us three reasons why we were created, why all of this exists. If your kids ever ask you, you know, why does this exist, there are three answers. One is the worship, that we were created to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because He is the Creator. No beginning and no end. The Creator of the entire perceived universe. And be the, the Sufis, because they love to look at these things and be poetic, you know, they come up with this saying. Again, some people, they think it's a hadith. It's not necessarily a hadith, but it's a saying. When Allah, and you know, they say, like Allah is as if He is saying, Kuntu kanzan I was a hidden treasure. And I wish that I would be known, so I created creation to be known. So through this creation and through our creation, we reflect the creative power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the essential, one of the essential components of our existence is to worship. And then Allah Ta'ala says, Blessed is the person that refines themselves. And not so blessed is the person that allows themselves to fall. So we have to have taskiyah, we have to improve the way we are. You can't just say, this is the way I am, let me be. This is just let me be. No, you have to be better. Each one of us has to be better. So there has to be this constant progress, this constant march of improvement. وَهُوَ أَنْشَأَكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَاسْتَعْمَرَكُمْ فِيهَا And he caused you to dwell on the earth and he has asked from you that you build this world. So the imara, the development, joint efforts, building this world is the third part of our, the reason behind our creation. So let us look at this ibadah, this concept of worship. Because as we come to Ramadan, this is the month of worship. This is the month of ibadah. And it reconnects us to one of the essential components, the essential principles behind our entire existence, which is to acknowledge that we owe our life to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, you think about every breath that you take. It's not like each breath is different than the breath before it. You know, for people that meditate and think about these things, one of the things that you discover is that each breath you take is different. Than the, than the one right before it. Allah is giving you life at each moment. So how could you not turn and say, Alhamdulillah. Thank you Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you understand that, then you're full of excitement and love because everything in your life has been created for you. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, In nijailun fil ardi khalifa, I'm giving and sending to this earth a representative, a vicegerent, somebody who's going to be in charge meaning humankind, that means that the creation behind this, behind us, has been made for us to use. So your perspective of life changes. You're like, wow, this is amazing. Life is beautiful. Everything I have is amazing. Everything I have is beautiful. It's been made for me. Custom made for me. And you only get that when you reconnect with this principle, this principle of worship, this principle of ibadah. 
as it relates to a, a refinement of our character. Because if you understand that your job is to be the best version of you, you, know, you can't be like each other. All you can do is be the best, best version of you. Then everything in your life has been given to you to use, to aid you. But if you're not connected to that principle and you're full of arrogance, you know, and you're full of, you're full of yourself and all you see, see is ana, 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 me, 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 then you will experience the opposite. And that's why these two are related. The ibadah, the worship, and makarim al-akhlaq, and good behavior, and manners, and a refinement of human character. So as we enter into this month, it's a time for us to reset a little bit our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for example, many of us are going to start thinking about our sleeping patterns. How will our sleeping patterns be impacted by month, the, the, the fasting that will take place? Because the day is long and the night is short and we have work and these things. Our eating patterns, of course, because we're fasting. What are we going to eat? What are we not going to eat? You have to plan. Like if you, took, if you went on any big trip that was different than the normal trips that you take, you're going to plan. You're going to think, ask people, what, what do you do? What did you take? What kind of medicine did you take? What kind of uh, antibiotics did you take? What kind of flashlights did you know? All of those, when you go on Hajj, for example, you ask people these questions, what should I take with me? Well, there's a big trip that we're about to take that changes the course of the 11 months throughout the year. So you're going to think about your food, you're going to think about your caffeine intake, you're going to think about your sleep from now, so you can prepare. Because when you start Ramadan, you want to reap the benefits of what the month has to offer. You don't want the, half the month to go and then you wake up, oh, it's Ramadan. And before you know it, it's over. You want to capture it from now. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us Rajab and Shaban as a buffer, as a reminder of the importance of the month of Ramadan. Rajab, one of the haram months, we, sacred months, we talked about that the last few weeks. We talked about the Isra and the Ma'raj and all of these things and the importance of reconnecting with prayer as the pinnacle of acts of worship, of acts of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in this month, we start thinking more uh, mechanically about preparing ourselves for the month of Ramadan. And today I want to remind myself and you of two things that are important. One of the things that involves our worship and our akhlaq and these things is dua. Asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, مَن لَمْ يَسْأَلِ اللَّهِ يَغْضَبْ عَلَيْهِ Whoever does not ask Allah, Allah becomes angry with them. أَدْعُوا اللَّهُ وَأَنْتُمْ مُقِنُونَ بِالْإِجَابَةِ Ask Allah and you are certain that He will reply. All of these hadith talk about dua. Because the prayer is mechanical. You can't add a rak'ah to fajr, you can't reduce a rak'ah to maghrib, it is what it is. You have to pray this way, it's like liturgy, you have to say these things and these movements. You know, maybe uh, in the sujood you make some extra dua or something or before the taslim, but more or less it's, this is what you do. Here's the book, follow the book, pray, check. But dua is different. Dua is like a floodgate of emotions between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for everything and anything that you can possibly imagine, that you can possibly think of. And it is one of the most humbling experiences to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to ask. Because we're not used to asking. We're used to complaining, we're used to showing off, 
You know, we're used to these type of things, but we're not used to asking with humility and poverty, knowing that we have no uh, uh, capacity in this relationship. Everything that we're going to do or that we have done is by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what our faith teaches us. So when you ask, you know, the Sahaba, they used to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even about the most mundane things to fix their sandals. You know, the hadith say, why? I mean, the Sahaba, they can't uh, fix the sandal. No, they can, but as a sign, as a reminder that everything, even the small things, happen only by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this, the month of Ramadan, is the month of dua. This is what we seek from it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the verses of fasting in Surah Al-Baqarah, he, he, he highlights this, and he says at the end of the discussion, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ if my servant asks you about me, indeed I am near. So when you knock on the door, as it were, metaphorically of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is already there. It's we that forget. Because every breath that we're taking, every beating of the heart, every moment of our life is an act of creation. Kun fayakun, be and it is. So when we make dua and when we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all we're doing is reminding ourselves of that which already is of our true reality. So Allah in the verse, He says, if, you, if my servant asks you about me, you would complete the sentence if you were making up the verse, you know, astaghfirullah, tell them I am near. But Allah doesn't say that in the verse. He says, If the servant asks you about me, indeed I am near. He changes, I am even in the structure of the verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pops out of the verse to remind us, I am near. We are closer to him than his own jugular. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not far away that you have to yell. You don't have to yell at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's there. He's here. He is. He is. Allah was and there was nothing with him. And then the ulama, they add, And he is now as he always was, meaning that everything is only in existence because Allah allows it to exist. And were it not for Allah's creative action in humanity, in creation, it would be Adam, it would be nothing. So the fact that you are and you are alive and you are breathing and you're hearing me and we're cognizant and we see all of these colors and the sun and the green and everything is a sign of La ilaha illallah. So how can it be that we perceive all of this and we witness all of this and we are all of this and we do not turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to ask Him? So this is the month, Ramadan meaning is the month of dua. It's the month in which we reconnect with this very important tool. You know, there is no conditions for the dua. You, just may, you don't have to like be in wudu. You don't have to face the qibla. I mean, those are all like enhancements, you know, if you want to use the, the word. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to answer you wherever you are, doing whatever you are. It's that moment that you feel that you need to ask, that's the moment to ask. No matter what you're doing. Muhyiddin ibn al-Arabi, radiallahu anhu, Shaykh al-Akbar, the great Sufi saint of Spain. You know, he has this, his, he has this amazing book called Al-Futuhat al-Makkiyah, the Meccan openings. He traveled to Mecca and he spent a long time in Mecca and he's cataloging all of the things that he saw and all of his insights into the Qur'an and things like that. You know what he says? He says, one of the strangest things I saw in Mecca is I saw an old man holding 
to the, to the kiswa of the Kaaba, to the covering of the Kaaba, holding like this, crying. And I got closer to listen to what he's saying, and all he is is he's asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the dunya. Give me this thing, give me that widget, increase my wealth, you know, think dunya things. And then later that day, he goes to the marketplace, and he sees a young man trading, <coughs> buying and selling, and his tongue was constant with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You see, outwardly, outwardly, if you didn't hear, you see something different. You see that this man, you know, holding to the Kaaba, crying, and we all, for us that have gone, you see this. You see people there crying, but you don't know why they're crying, or what they're asking. It's not our job to know, but you don't know. And then you go to the uh, Mecca towers, the Taba towers, the Taqwa, whatever, the new towers. Every month there's a new tower and there's a new shop and stuff like that. And people look at it, astaghfirullah, you know, they're, they're, they're creating Las Vegas and Mecca and all of it. But you don't know what those people are doing. Making a halal income, trying to do some kind of service, some kind of khidmah. You don't know what is behind. So he's teaching us in the story, and when he observes Shaykh al-Akbar, Muhyiddin ibn al-Arabi, he's saying that the, the, the young man, full of youth, in the midst of trading, in the midst of dunya, but his heart is connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, he didn't have to be like in a special place, wearing special clothes, with special incense, you know, special ambiance to make dua. He was in the middle of trading like this. You know, thank you, have a nice day, subhanAllah, subhanAllah. Thank you, have a nice day, Allahu Akbar. He was just making remembrance. Because he's connected. And that's what Allah means. I'm there. All you have to do is remember and open your heart. And to emphasize this point, because all of this is a lead. I have to be, this is like a trip. I'm leading to something, right? In case you're wondering, maybe he's rambling. What am I leading to? I'm leading to the eve of the 15th of Shaban. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he gives us this gift the eve of the 15th of Shaban, Nisfu Shaban, as a day in which we give life to the night and we stand in prayer and dua. It's a night of dua. Imam Shafi'i radiallahu anhu, he narrates a hadith that this is one of the nights in which the dua is answered, the mustajab dua. And in all of our Muslim cultures and all around the world, this used to be a day that we honor and special dua that is read. <coughs> Up until uh, what we call Asr al-Nakad, the, the, the age of nonsense that we live in now, in which people try to poke holes in the structure of Islam. Oh, this is da'if. Oh, this is hadith da'if and all of this nonsense. And I don't want to get into that because I'm in a good mood and we don't want to talk about negative things today. <laughs> so just trust me that this is an important night. And alhamdulillah, every year in this mosque, on this night, we get together, we do a little bit of dhikr, we make a little bit of dua, we have some sweets as a reminder that the, 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 the sweetness of the dua or the act of the dua is sweet. And that's why Muslims are, we always eat sweets. You ever wonder why? Because we're always trying to emphasize the sweetness of prayer. Here's some cookies. The sweetness of Eid, you know, here's some cookies. The sweetness of Isra and Maraj, here's some sweets. Every, mashallah, every event that we have, we have some kind of sweet associated with it. It's the new year, so we have to make you white cookies so your year is full of whiteness and open. All of the, any excuse we make a sweet. But why? Why do we do that? Other than the fact that it's completely unhealthy, but why do we do that? <laughs> to give us some material reminders, especially for young people's material reminders 
that there is sweetness in this faith. There is sweetness in calling to Allah Ta'ala. There is sweetness in remembering the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So the ulama, they understood the different texts of this evening to be essentially, we have this thing called the Lawh al Mahfud, the preserved tablet. And on this evening, when you look at all of the hadith and you deduce the meanings, this is the executive summary, the orders for the year come down from Lawh al Mahfud to the angels on this evening. And on Laylatul Qadr, these instructions are executed. So the Prophet ﷺ, whenever there was some big traffic in the heavens, he would always want to fast, he would always want to worship, he would always want to make dua, so that these events would happen and these orders of Allah would descend when he was in a state of purity, in a state of qurba, in a state of nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this month is a month of fasting. It's a month in which we fast to prepare for the month of Ramadan. And the eve of the 15th of Shaban, is a night for us to call on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with everything that we have. I mean, some of the salaf, they used to stay up all night in prayer, in the masajid, all night in prayer, as if it was like Laylatul Qadr, exactly like that. And they would make dua, and they would ask, and they would cry, why to prepare themselves, to reconnect themselves with everything that we just spoke about, the importance. So dua, practice dua, just ask. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for silly things, and then those silly things will lead to bigger things. And you will reconnect, you will see the sweetness of that transaction between you and your Creator. The second thing, Ramadan is a month of giving. It's a month of charity. Even though we fast and we withhold, this is the one thing that we don't withhold on. We, we, we splurge on the charity side. The Prophet ﷺ, it is said, كَانَ أَجْوَدُ nas. He was the most giving of people. And he was even more generous in the month of Ramadan. You know, after the battle of Hunayn, which we're talking about in the seerah, the, it was a big payday for the, for the Prophet ﷺ and the, and the companions. So he had a lot of wealth because the other people, in their foolishness, they came to battle with all of their wealth, thinking that that would motivate them to fight. All, it made it, all that happened was that the loss was even bigger. So the Prophet ﷺ, right after the conquest of Mecca, Abu Sufyan and all of these people had just become Muslim. So they go to the Prophet ﷺ, you know, where's my payday? So the Prophet ﷺ would give and give and give. And the new Muslims, they said, this man gives in a way that he is not scared that he will become poor. Can you imagine that giving and giving, not looking at the balance sheet, not looking at what's left, not calculating it, not auditing it. He would give... Someone who was confident that the source would always be there. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when we hear this, he was the most generous of people. Think about that. That somebody comes to ask him, he just puts his hand in his pocket and he gives. He doesn't even look at what's there. And alhamdulillah, we have seen people in our, in our short life that mimic this aspect, this prophetic aspect, that give with generosity. And when you see it, it's, it's a wonder. Because, you know, you, you know we're American. We, we have to count everything. And you're like trying to make all of these uh, deductions. And no, these people give. They don't care. They give because they know that their, their pocket is not the source. Their effort is not the source. The source is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But he was even more generous than that in the month of Ramadan. That this is the month of dua. This month of Shaban is the month in which we reconnect with this worship. 
and makarim al-akhlaq and refining ourselves. But it's also a month in which we want to give because the Prophet taught us that. And not to be fearful because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put the barakah, the khair, the goodness, the, the grace in our wealth when we give. Because the only dollar you really have is the dollar that you give. I always tell that to my parents when I ask them for money. I said, you know, mom and dad, the only dollar you really have is the dollar that you give. So if I have some crazy project, I say, you give me the money and you'll really own it. But seriously, it's true. Because when you give, you have the power over that money, the power over that dollar, to direct it this way or that way. But when you don't, then you, the, the money controls you. So this is also a habit. And I'm not saying I want people to you know, give up all your 401k to the mosque. and that, that, That's for Ramadan. We'll do that later when, when we're so, a little bit softer. We're a little bit rough right now. All I'm asking for is 10 15 $20 a month for the year as a habit, as a prophetic habit, to be like the Prophet ﷺ. To show our nafs, to show ourselves that we can give. And you know the ulama, what they teach us? Many of the awliya, when you study their, their stories, they, they would cure ailments, physical ailments, by charity. This is one of the secrets of charity. That I have teachers that would you know, tell me stories about when they were feeling sick or ill or something like that. They would give a little bit to charity to the poor and the ailment would go away. So when you give, I'm serious, this is, one of, this is prophetic. This is from the hadith of the Prophet <coughs> The hadith is, cure your sick through charity. Sometimes people think that ailments, I hate to break it to the physicians in the room, but ailments is physical. It's not always physical. It's connected to our emotional soul state as well. So the Prophet said, Cure your sick through charity. So when you give this charity, give it with the intention that you want Allah to cure your ailment, if you have one, to cure an ailment of a loved one or a relative or a family, and I guarantee you will find it to be true.